When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to Premier League All Access with me, Sam Matavese, alongside me once again, Talk Sports Chief Football Correspondent Alex Crook and former West Ham frontman and England frontman, Dean Ashton. Here's what's coming up on today's show. Yeah, I think they've wasted a couple of their pivotal games already. If you look over the course of the season, uh, Fulham at home, Wolves at home, they're going to be two decisive fixtures for Everton. And I know they've snuck through, to use your words in the intro, against Doncaster, but this is the team rock bottom of the entire Football League. The way they were celebrating that equalising goal from Beto, you'd have thought Everton had just beaten Manchester City. I think they're in a really bad place. And supporters of Tottenham Hotspur, they just want a little bit of success. Yes, they want they want to watch nice attacking football, but that wears off very quickly if all routes to silverware are closed by the time you get to January. I think Phil Foden will be the player of the season in the Premier League this year, without a shadow of a doubt for me. I mean, you're talking about overthinking it. Arteta's overthinking it for me. We mentioned it at the weekend. Saliba and Gabriel are so important to their season. Um, when Saliba picked up that injury against Sporting in the Europa League, they fell apart defensively. So I don't know why you would break that up. Just to accommodate Kai Havertz, who for me, he's just not there. Well, we're going to focus on the Premier League this weekend. Um, but a bit of pressure for Spurs and Ange Postacoglu after a bright start because they're out of the Carabao Cup at the first hurdle. I thought Fulham were terrific. In midweek, Sheffield United's bad start to the season continues this time with defeat in the Carabao Cup. Chelsea just about through after what was a <laughs> a tricky game against AFC Wimbledon. And Everton came back from a goal down uh, to beat Doncaster Rovers just, just. But Beto's on the score sheet, so great news for them. Quick timestamp here, boys. I know that uh, you know this, but the listeners don't. We are recording this on Thursday morning. So there's still a little bit of time left in the window. We're going to not talk about any transfer rumours. However, what I want to do is quickly pretend it's Saturday morning, we've just woken up, and there's one crazy deal that has happened. What do you think that crazy deal is going to have been? So all of a sudden, you've woken up, it's Saturday morning, and this bombshell has happened on the final hours of the window. Crook, you're the transfer god, apparently. <laughs> I did hear that last Thank night. I couldn't stop laughing. Um, go on. <laughs> Even Dean's um, slightly uncomfortable by it. He's like, I mean, I've heard it once and it was really cringe. I'm now trying not to <laughs> ever hear it again. Well, I, I guess we can't we can't say Ansu Fati um, because that obviously came out on Thursday night. But that is an incredible deal if Brighton can pull it off. Um, I don't think any of us would have seen that coming a couple of years ago. It will probably involve Chelsea. Uh, because it always does this window. Let's chuck in 
just because Joe Shields is signing everybody that he's ever worked with. Jaden Sancho from Manchester United to Chelsea. Oh, that would be uh, that, because Chelsea haven't really got enough sort of young number tens, have they? Uh, Dean, have you got anything? Wouldn't it be funny if um, Chelsea just snuck in at the last second for Anrabat? He was just about to walk into the Carrington training ground, does a massive U-turn, and Chelsea can zump them. That that would be very this window. This is my breaking news for Saturday morning, right? In the final hours of the deadline day, Liverpool sold Mo Salah to Saudi Arabia and bought Kylian Mbappe from (laughs) PSG. So, so the, the Liverpool fans, they were heartbroken when they found out about Saudi's firmed up interest and Liverpool accepting a 200 gazillion billion dollar bid. However, they went out and splurged all that money immediately on Kylian Mbappe and he registered in time to start their game this weekend. Whoa, what a deal. <laughs> um, okay. If any of that happens, you can just call us Nostradamus. Um, let's switch, switch focus to the action on the pitch, kicking off on Friday night. Huge, huge night for Luton Town, who welcome Premier League football to Kenilworth Road for the first time. Our house in the middle of our street. Our house in the middle of our street. Cross to the far post, all the wind holds it up, and Morris fires it in, and relief. All around Kenilworth Road. The atmosphere there will be like there's 40,000, 50,000 in there. And the way that Luton players will be very direct, they're not going to change. It's the first time in, in, in a long time that there's been supporters on four sides of the ground for a start. And Luton are in front. And Clark came in, arriving at just the right time. And put Luton fans in dreamland. We've had good teams come to the Kenny before and we haven't crumbled. We've, we've shown what we're about. And all the Luton fans here, they, they deserve, deserve to see Premier League teams there week in, week out. to Premier League in nine years is something else. What a story. If the shoe was on the other foot, I probably wouldn't want to come to Kenilworth Road in the middle of January, mind you. It's only Etihad or Anfield or London Stadium, is it? No, it's not, but it's, it's got more history than, than a lot of a lot of places. Not all, but a lot of places. Oh yes, huge night for Luton Town. Under the lights, cliche in full flow. Uh, and home to a rival rival, maybe. Uh, West Ham United. Should be electric atmosphere, uh, but Luton haven't shown in too much in the opening games of the season. I thought on Friday night against Chelsea, Dean, there was a, a spell when they played a bit of, of football, but you would expect West Ham to overcome them, wouldn't you? Yes, I would, the form that West Ham are in, and I think um, the way that that midfield already is shaping up without Declan Rice is really encouraging, and of course, the forward players, when you have Antonio, Ben Rama and Bowen, in any kind of form, they'll cause any team problems. And I watched Luton and I enjoyed watching them last season and I thought that they would give certain teams a game. And it is only going to be at home, though. I think that is where they're going to give teams um, a bit of a game in front of their own fans with that great atmosphere that it'll create. But when you step up to the absolute elite level, you can't really just hit your front men and hope that something happens. You effectively give the ball back. I thought Thiago Silva just sat back, licked his lips and just read everything. Either went and won it and got it back or just stepped off them and they flicked it towards him. There needs to be a bit more than just hitting the front men in the Premier League. 
Yeah, we've spoken about the home atmosphere and how important it is going to be for Luton Town. And I think sometimes we sort of cling to that. But Rob Edwards is clinging to it too. Here he is. We're hugely going to need our supporters this year. And they can be very, very influential for us this year. And I've got to, I can't stress that enough. And we've seen in recent years how important people's teams that get promoted, their home form is. Uh, and the, the role that we know our, our crowd can play is, is going to be vital for us. No, I know we've got to give them something to shout about as well, but judging by what the, our, our away support has been like the, on the opening two games, um, I'm, it's going to be some noise here on, on Friday night. So I want them to take the roof off. You know, we're going to need that. We can't wait. I mean, for those of you who haven't been to Kenilworth Road, it really is in the middle of a few houses. It's basically bordered on all sides by terraced housing. It's all tightly packed in. In fact, when you sometimes come out of the back of the, what was the old main stand and walk down a staircase, you can see into everybody's gardens. You know what sort of underwear they wear because of the fact that they uh, all use the, um, the washing lines that are in their back... Uh, gardens and you can sort of see everything um, so it is sort of like quite a unique place to go and watch your football not much has changed since uh, the summer even though they've renovated one stand uh, but um, is it all a little bit of a misnomer now you know it's not as if Premier League players haven't been to these grounds before they'll know what it's like Crooker. The, the novelty will wear off eventually yeah I agree with Dean I, I think Kenilworth Road is their is their biggest asset this season, Luton. It's never easy to play a newly promoted team in front of their own fans in their first game of the season. But having said that, Burnley didn't put up much resistance against Man City and Crystal Palace comfortably overcame Sheffield United in the same circumstances. So uh, as much as I want to make a case for Luton, I've just not seen enough in these first two games to do that. I thought they were pretty dreadful against Brighton. Could have been on the end of a, a real hiding. And I didn't see too much improvement despite a two-week break against Chelsea. Obviously, they're two of the better sides in the division, but so are West Ham on what we've seen so far. They've surprised me. I think they've surprised a lot of people. We all thought after a difficult summer, losing Declan Rice, maybe one or two fractions in the recruitment department, that it could be it could be David Moyes coming into this game under pressure, but it isn't. If they win, they go top of the table, and I think they will win. I just think defensively, Luton don't have enough. I think they give away too many free kicks. And that's going to be a problem for anybody who faces West Ham this year with James Ward-Prowse. So, yeah, I'd, I'd love to make this an underdog story, but I don't think it will be. Well, there'll be a lot of people trying to take credit for this um, because James Ward-Prowse has made a huge impact since arriving. Uh, the former Southampton captain's got two assists on his debut. He scored the goal uh, on Saturday against Brighton. He worked very hard, David Moyes, to try and convince everybody that this is the type of signing that they needed. He was the one who was championing the cause for James Ward-Prowse. We need these sort of players uh, because we have cold winters, I think is what he said. Is that right, Crook? He said something like that. <laughs> he, he did. It, it was, was the most David Moyes <laughs> quote in the world, to be honest. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, how much credit does, does Mark Noble get? Does Tim Steiton get? The, the German sporting... I don't know who is the sporting director, who's the technical director, who's bringing in the players. I think in the end, David Moyes says, I want James Ward-Prowse. Yeah, one of them said, I want Edson Alvarez. And the other one said, I want Kudus. And all three of them look pretty good. If you're going to replace Declan Rice, that's probably the best way to do it. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I think they've held their nerve, haven't they? Because there was um, quite a bit of discontent, actually, once Declan Rice had gone. And actually, it looked like they weren't going to bring in the required recruitment. And um, obviously, Skamaka went as well. And you're sort of thinking, well, hang on. And Crookie's right. You're thinking this could be a really, really difficult season. They've held their nerve. 
They've gone out and got clearly the targets they wanted. And, and there is something to be said about, you know, you look at Ward Prowse, I look at James Madison, I look at players that you just know are fantastic Premier League players and that will just go straight in. They won't need to settle in. They won't need to sort of get used to it. They're just in and they're ready and they're there to go and they're top quality and you know what you're going to get. Those seven, eight out of tens every single week. And I think that is why David Moyes wanted James Ward-Prowse and obviously because of the set piece mastery that he's got. Um, And actually, you're right. They do need quite a lot of credit for the summer business that they've done. Talk to me about how that uh, works, though. How do you get James Ward-Prowse, Alvarez, Kudus and Paqueta all into the same system, I think? Well, I think Kudus could play a number of positions and that's what's probably going to help David Moyes. Paqueta as well, you know, started on the left, can play as as a 10, can drop into midfield. These players are good enough to adapt. Even James Ward-Prowse, I think, could play a number of positions. And I think that was probably the problem um, in in a few seasons gone by, just in terms of reaching that next level, would be that, you know, they were very rigid, West Ham. Whenever I watched them play, I thought, you're so rigid to play against. If they stop your counter-attack, they pretty much stop you. And I just think it gives them a bit more variety now with the players that they've got. And I think that is interesting to see how that's going to develop. Um, the only issue I can see with West Ham here is, is that they don't like to have the ball. The two performances that were particularly impressive so far uh, this season was a 22% possession at Brighton and um, around about 30 or percent, I think, against uh, Chelsea. Uh, Luton will probably let them have the ball, won't they, Crook? Yeah, that could, that could be a problem. Um, because you're right, I think they... That's quite an odd situation, isn't it? That could be a problem. You have to play with the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but then I'm not sure that Luton, uh, you know, are going to want to dominate possession. We know the Rob Edwards way last season, he, they carried it on the Premier League as to try and get it from front to back as quickly as possible. So you, you could have two teams here who don't necessarily want possession. But I just I just think West Ham's quality... List of names you reeled off there. I mean, Alvarez, so impressive on his debut. Uh Kudos, uh, I think he's going to be signed as a centre-forward. Um, I think that's the plan. Uh, Pakatar staying due to really unfortunate circumstances for him. And if he is found not to have done any wrongdoing, you have to feel real sympathy. But they, they've just got quality now all over the pitch. And actually, they've ended up using the Decton Rice money quite cleverly. And it didn't look like that necessarily would be the case at one stage. OK, let's, let's get stuck into Saturday's action now as two of the league's pointless sides get... Off the mark. Well, someone will. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Sheffield United against Everton is live on TalkSport, 12.30 on Saturday. I know it's early, but Wolves and Sheffield United back-to-back for Everton feels like pivotal games of the season. Yeah, I think they've wasted a couple of their pivotal games already. If you look over the course of the season... Uh, Fulham at home, Wolves at home. They're going to be two decisive fixtures for Everton. And I know they've snuck through, to use your words in the intro, against Doncaster. But this is the team rock bottom of the entire Football League. The way they were celebrating that equalising goal from Beto, you'd have thought Everton had just beaten Manchester City. I think they're in a really bad place, Everton, at this moment in time. And if, if Sheffield United, I think, are almost certainties to go down, if they're going to pick up any victories this season, this is the type of fixture they've got to win. Well, Everton have only won two away games in the Premier League since the start of last season, Dean. But they do have a striker at last in Beto, who's arrived from Udinese. Um, he's uh, £25 million, big pressure on his shoulders. But getting off the mark in your first game always helps, doesn't it? Oh, hugely, yeah. First of all, the support. You get the supporters on side. Second of all, you get your teammates on side if you can certainly help win a game when you look like you're in trouble and the headlines are going to be very, very bad for the manager and the and the team. I mean, he sounded like R9, to be honest, when Jim Proudfoot, Lucy Ward and Adrian were talking about him at, at, at Donny, the way he came on. But that's what he's going to have to be. He's going to have to be the player that does a lot of it on his own. He's going to have a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Um, and by the looks of things um, from against Doncaster, he's up for that. He's up for that challenge. And he's a big old unit he looks like he wants to get older boy wants to get into the box and i just wonder how that mentality changed when they looked like they were going to lose sheffield united towards the end of the game were pushing to beat um lincoln city they lost on penalties everton win when you're down there you need those little boosts of confidence and i actually fancy everton in this game yeah, I, I, mean, I don't know why. I think because of that Carabao Cup result and mainly because of Beto. Beto, is, 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 he's not going to change the world. But he's he sort of come in and he said all those things that you would expect a new signing from Toxteth to say. Yeah, I had an Everton shirt when I was a kid. Yeah, I used to grow up watching and appreciating this great club and started name-checking different Everton players from the sort of mid-2000s. And, and first of all, you just thought, so, someone giving him like a crib sheet or something. Um, but he is six foot four, powerful, fast. He's great on transition. He's brilliant at sort of, um, his acceleration is absolutely brilliant. He's got raw speed, which is going to be important in the Premier League. His touch, 
got to improve in around the penalty area. But I think, you know, from what I'm being told from people in Italy, he's got a chance. And at £25 million, that's all you really get now is you get a chance. It's a gamble. It's a, it's, but Everton needed that because if you look at the other forwards that they've had recently, they've just not had the ability to score goals. Look at Neil Mopé, XG of 1.16, no goal so far this season. He's missed some key chances and he hasn't scored in nearly 30 games. I mean, you can't not rely on him. They had to do something. God knows where they've got the money on, uh, got, the, got the money from. Uh, Crook, um, apparently Better was convinced to join Everton by speaking to Gerard Delefeu. Um, he apparently had plenty of good things to say about the toppies. Clearly he hasn't watched them for a while. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a very different club than the one that uh, Delefeu was, was at, to be honest. But um, yeah, I'm intrigued where Everton have got this money. It must be a very big sofa they've got in the boardroom. But I, I'd imagine... This is uh, this is going to be paid over a number of years because they're still bang up against it in, in FFP. Uh, hence the fact they were willing to let Alex Awobi go um, to, to try and bring some coffers in. But I, I just wonder, had they have lost that game against Doncaster, and I think it still throws up more questions than answers. How much pressure would Sean Dyche have been under going to this game at Bramall Lane? I know you've got a theory that it's Groundhog Day for Everton. They start a season bad and the manager gets fired. They bring somebody else in and they stay up by the skin of their teeth. But Sean Dyche, I think he'll quickly come under pressure there. Well, it happens every year. Uh, it's the same thing. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Uh, Brighton against Newcastle, two of the league's in vogue sides with a point to prove poor, uh, following poor results last week. Newcastle had a tough start to the season, really. Aston Villa, much fancied. They dispatched them. Manchester City competed with them. Uh, Liverpool probably should have beaten them. And now Brighton away. Dean, what do you see this game shaping up to be? Well, I think... Brighton can feel themselves quite unlucky with the result against West Ham. They were actually excellent, created lots of chances. Ariola was man of the match by a country mile. Um, so I, I don't see any difference. And that's what's great and exciting about Brighton is whoever he picks, they're going to be amazing to watch. They're going to create chances, um, but they might give the opposition a, an opportunity. The thing with Newcastle... I think that she even stems back to the the sort of second part of last season. Is defensively they they give away some sloppy goals, some silly goals, and I think that's got to be a worry that they've struggled to keep clean sheets over a, a significant period now. And obviously with Botman out, who is going to play that left centre back role? Is Lascelles going to come in? Is it going to be Byrne, who struggled as soon as Darwin went up against him? Um, so I, I think this is heavily stacked, actually, in, in Brighton's favour. Yeah, one clean sheet in 14 games now for Newcastle United. That's not good enough if you want to compete to be in the top four, is it, Crook? No, um, and I think it's a problem because they've been trying to cut their cloth accordingly because they're so concerned about FFP restrictions that actually the squad still looks quite light in places. And if you look at what they've done in this window, Tenali apart, they've really signed players for the future. You know, Livermento and, and Lewis Hall are, are long-term investments, not necessarily players who are going to come in and make a massive difference straight away. And I think psychologically as well, I'm really keen to see how Newcastle react to what happened in the final stages of that game on Sunday because it's been pretty plain sailing for Eddie Howe, certainly since the start of last season. They've not had too many setbacks, too much adversity to deal with. And I would suggest if you're feeling a bit sorry for yourselves after effectively chucking away a couple of points, let's be honest, uh, they self-destructed at the end of that game. 
this is not an ideal match to play against a, a Brighton side who are going to want to bounce back and who will be made to bounce back by the Zerbi because we know how much he hates losing. The best thing for Eddie Howe to do here is take responsibility, right? Say, this is my fault. We had the game in the palm of our hands. I made the mistakes by taking off Anthony Gordon and Tonali. That blame should be on my shoulders rather than the players and then ask them to go and help him out and put it right. Would that be a good tactic, Dean? Yes, I think it, I think it would. But I think Crook's right. I think they, they haven't had too many setbacks. And, and that was, I, th- I think actually that's gone under the radar a bit, how quickly they collapsed in that, in that game and how vulnerable all of a sudden they looked on the left side of that, of that defence. Obviously, both goals coming from that side. Um, but what he has done, Eddie Howe, is he tends to get a response when they have had a setback. When everyone goes, ah, right, that's it. The bubble's burst. It was great while it lasted. They tend to then go and produce a performance and a result. So, again, you would expect that of an Eddie Howe side. And that's why he brings in the right characters, I think, in the in the transfer windows. That I think that's what's impressed me most is the character of the players that he brings in. It should be a very entertaining game when you look at it. Um, statistically, there have been 14 goals in Brighton's three games in the Premier League so far this season. And no team in the top division has registered more shots than the Seagulls. 68 already this term. They've scored nine goals. I mean, they'll be difficult to contain at the best of time. But when you haven't got your first choice defender, it's going to be even harder. And they've got so much firepower now, haven't they, uh, Brighton? They've got so much variation to their attack which I think gives them an extra edge, especially with the fiery Italian in the dugout, Crook. Yeah, and if you chuck Fatty in, into that mix, it, it becomes a you know a really lethal force going forward. I feel a bit sorry for João Pedro, actually, because I did the first game of the season against Luton. I thought he was exceptional. And he's not started the next two games. Um, so he must be scratching his head and wondering what he has to do to get a start. But um, I guess it's a nice problem to have if you're trying to rotate a generational talent potentially in Ferguson with João Pedro, who also looks at you know a really bright spark. So yeah, they've been in worse positions over the course of their history, Brighton. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, Ansu Fati signing from Barcelona. Uh, this is the kid that inherited Messi's number ten shirt. Yet he is deemed surplus to requirements at the camp now. Now it's not the camp now. Now is it? It's the Palace of San Jordi Monduic because uh, they've torn down the camp now. Um, but um, Ansu Fati. I mean, I think he had an injury a couple of seasons ago and it's sort of taken the wind out of his sails and he hasn't really lived up to the expectation. I think Xavi thinks, look, this is a guy who I can get good value for money-wise. I can eventually, um, I can um, take him off my wage bill. FFP will help. He'll probably be pure profit if they eventually sell him because he's one of their academy graduates. But this is a loan deal, Crook. Is that right? Is a loan deal initially with an option to buy? Is that correct? No, I don't think there's even an option to buy. I think it'll be a straightforward loan deal. So, which, which seems weird. It seems weird for Barcelona to do that. Why would, why would they need to do that? It must be just because they want to get his wages paid this year. They're, they're in so much financial trouble. They're, they're moving hmm. things around on the chessboard just to try and make things work so that they can get new signings in themselves and register players' contracts. You know, up until the first weekend of the season, they only had 12 players registered because they couldn't put the contracts in with La Liga because of the, the restrictions on the, the wages they could spend. So, I mean, Brighton may be taking advantage a little bit of their, of their financial peril. But this guy, if you can get him working... He is sensational. Yeah, 
Agreed. And I think it does come down to, to Barca's financial issues. But I tell you what, <laughs> Brighton have come an awful long way since uh, I used to watch Adam Virgo playing as a makeshift centre forward at the Wood <laughs> Stadium. <laughs> Don't have a go at Virgs. Um, <laughs> he's a great lad. <laughs> but it is. And he scored a few, a few important goals as well, in fairness. Dino, can you imagine being a Brighton fan and then all of a sudden the guy that was supposed to replace Messi turns up and he's your new signing? Like, pinch me, pinch me. Yeah, I think every season they probably feel a bit like that with the situations they find themselves in. But if you're an attacking player, I tell you what, Brighton's a club I'd want to go to. You know, a, a place where you're going to get the freedom to express yourself. You get plenty of chances created. You can be part of that attacking lineup. I think it's a, a very attractive club at the moment for players to, to look towards. And actually, I think the Brighton fans deserve maybe these sort of signings because of the amount amount of great players that they've sold, you'd want a bit of star quality coming into your club. And you're right, if you get this player anywhere near his potential, he is. He's an absolute superstar. In some of the games and some of the clips I've seen, there is an incredible talent there. But um, again, is this is Cancelo just waiting for one of these moves to happen, Crook? Because I, I keep seeing his name. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And, he, you know, we're getting towards the end. Yeah, yeah, spot on. You know, they need to they need to trim the wage bill in, in order to make that happen. So I think that's all part of it as well. And from Ansu Fati's point of view, people might think, well, why on earth is he joining Brighton? Who better to get that talent out of him than Roberto De Zerbi? I think that's... Don't underestimate that. If, if another manager was in charge at Brighton, I think this would be a much more difficult deal to do. He did get outfoxed by David Moyes last week, though, so he's got a point to prove this week, Crook. And he'll have hated that. I tell you what, that would have been a, a difficult training ground, a difficult dressing room to be in this week. And that's why I think Newcastle will expect to be on the end of a Brighton backlash, a storm on the Sussex coast. We criticise Eddie Howe for making changes at the end of the game against Liverpool. But actually, should we maybe suggest that too much tinkering cost Roberto De Zerbi, changing his goalkeeper, messing around with that front line as often as he has? Does that sort of lack of consistency cause them a problem? I didn't like it with a goalkeeper. I feel for Jason Steele because he's waited a long time to be a Premier League number one. He was pivotal in what they achieved last season. He's done nothing in the first couple of games of this season to suggest that he deserved to be dropped. And whatever way you look at it, he was dropped. Derby has said that he wants to rotate the keepers over the course of the season. I think if he sticks to that, that's going to cause them a problem. Defenders like to know one is going to be week in, week out. You can't rotate goalkeepers in my opinion. Chelsea against Forest is live on TalkSport 2, 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Dino, Chelsea were magnificent, magnificent in the latter part of the second half. Once they brought on a quarter of a million pounds worth of talent uh, to get them over the line against AFC Wimbledon. But up until that point, it was bilge from uh, Maurizio Pochettino's team. <laughs> Enzo, quick, save us. Moises, quick, come on and help us out. We need, we need a turnaround here. Nicholas Jackson, where are you? In fact, it was nearly £300 million worth of talent by the time they'd finished. Um, and, they, and they had to rely on a mistake to win the game. I mean, the first half, the young players that they played, I mean, poor old Diego Moreira looked like, it almost looked like, you remember that BBC situation where the cab driver got taken um, from his car and put on set and, and was portrayed as an expert in some sort of scientific field. And it sort of went viral. The clip went viral. Yeah, It was a little bit like they were walking through the club shop. They saw this kid and they said, oh, are you the... Oh, right, yeah, yeah. You're going to play left wing today. 
and he played. And like, obviously, rabbit headlights, touch, terrible. Him and Kukurea looked like they'd never been involved in a team situation before. It was, it, it was really strange. And, and Wimbledon actually did really well. Their shape was terrific. But this is a different, it'll be a different Chelsea team. And it's a different approach because Forest actually have got weapons and Chelsea will have to be on their guard. Yeah, they will. Um, I did the game for, for Talk Sport where Nottingham Forest went to Old Trafford and caused Manchester United quite a few problems, especially um, in transition with Morgan Gibbs-White and Brennan Johnson and Awani up front. They were they were very, very good in periods and then Manchester United took control. But in those games, and I've been in them, and it's terrible to say, but you, you kind of... D- Sometimes you don't want those games, the Wimbledons, the Lincolns. They're, they're tough games where that is their absolute cup final, might be the biggest game they ever play in their careers. It is difficult sometimes. And I, I don't read a lot into those sort of games. As long as you get through, that's all that matters. If you need to bring on players, we've seen it time and time again down the years where the top clubs bring on the big players, they win the game in the end, and it'll be forgotten in... 36 hours and I've just been impressed I have got to say I've been impressed with Chelsea I've been impressed with the improvement already in a few of the players the site a couple of the signings Nicholas Jackson looks strong I'd be excited if I was Chelsea I would I can't believe it I now worked out why Dean wasn't working in midweek the Carabao Cup is beneath him <laughs> <laughs> Um, Such a big time, Chelsea. I I am excited about Chelsea, but I said to Crook right at the beginning of the season, I'm sort of cautiously optimistic because you don't want to get, if you're a Chelsea supporter, you don't want to get too excited, especially about a striker because there's been so many issues over the course of 20, 30 years. When you get a striker, it looks promising. They never score the requisite goals that Chelsea need them to score. Jackson looks different. He came on at half-time yesterday and I've got to admit, he changed the entire tone of the performance. Urgency, intensity, touch, guile. He could have had one goal, maybe should have had one goal. But I think he's 21 years of age. That will come. I mean, Pochettino thinks he's going to be great. He looks like he's going to be great. I'm crossing my fingers and hoping that he's going to be great. But you never, ever know. There is a good striker who we're going to see on Saturday, and that's Taiwo Awonyi, who's response to sort of being in and out over the course of the early part of last season has been terrific. End of last season, beginning of this, nine goals in seven games. He scored in each of those seven games. He has been absolutely sensational for Nottingham Forest, Crook. And if they can hit him, and they've got they've got other weapons as well now, you know, and we might be re, you might be listening to this and thinking, well, Brennan Johnson's left, yeah, but they've got Elanga, they've got Morgan Gibbs White, who again played really well against uh, Manchester United at Old Trafford. Yeah, I can see another um, another tough game for Chelsea. To be honest, I think if Forest can hit on the counter as well as they did at times at Manchester United, I think they will. I think they will score. I think Chelsea is still a work in progress, particularly defensively. I think Chelsea will win the game, but I don't think it will be particularly comfortable. And I do still worry about that Forest back line. I know they've, they've tried to address it in the final days of the transfer window, but with the greatest one in the world, I've mentioned it before, McKenna. And Worrell is two of your central defenders. You're going to concede goals in the Premier League. So as much as they've got brilliant forward players, or very good forward players at the very least, I think defensively is where Steve Cooper will have his concerns. But I can see goals in this game. I, I wouldn't rule out another 
3-2 home win. He's, he's got about seven right-backs, hasn't he? Um, I don't understand why they need so many right-backs. It's, it's, it's sort of Olerain is a right-back. He's playing a left-back at this moment in time. Sergio is there. Montiel is there. Um, Nico Williams is there. They just seem to have like a collection of, of full-backs. Um, Crook, um, you've sort of changed your mind because on... Wednesday night when we were coming out of Stamford Bridge and we made you use the stairs, you said, I fancy Forrest, actually, on, uh, on Saturday. No, no, I didn't. I said, I fancy Forrest to cause Chelsea problems. And I yeah. think that will be the case. I think Changes it's going to be a, an uncomfortable afternoon at times. For backtracking, Chelsea. backtracking, absolute backtracking. Yeah. He backtracked out of a beer on uh, Wednesday night. There must be something wrong um, because um, <laughs> Scott Minto, uh, Johnny Jackson, the woman and manager, and I went for a beer after the game and Crook was nowhere to be seen. I thought I was in some sort of parallel universe. Usually he's already there uh, with pints lined up waiting for me to get there and finish the post-match. Instead, it was the other way around and he was moaning about the fact that Poch left him hanging on for so long and then he stormed out and went all the way home because the A3 was shut and he was all upset about it. Um, did you, what time did you get home in the end? <laughs> it wasn't actually too bad in the end. Midnight, so it was all right. It could That's have been right. worse. That's fine, absolutely fine. I got in at, at, at midnight as well, but... I had had three pints by that point. Um, let's quickly glance over the best of the rest of Saturday's starting action uh, with uh, a stopping off first at Turf Moor. Well, after being dumped out of the Carabao Cup in midweek, Dean, Ange Postacoglu almost has put a little bit of pressure on himself for the first time, hasn't he? Because you can't now go to Burnley and not get a result. Yeah, I think obviously, you know, the start of the season for Tottenham, the change of style, I mean, the upsurge in some of those players, Basuma especially, looks absolutely incredible. Um, I just thought, why take that chance of letting the momentum slide even a fraction with his, his team selection? And they paid the price. And that's what can happen in, in those cup competitions if you don't quite put out your strongest side. And because of that, you know, he's almost allowed, you know, other sets of supports to have a bit of a laugh again at Tottenham. And they need to then re respond with another good performance and another another victory if they can um, against Burnley. And I expect them to, actually. I, I've been so impressed with the way that his, his team has played already at, at the start of this season. The two inverted full-backs... Madison with the freedom, who looks like that number 10 shirt is the lightest shirt he's ever worn, considering how heavy that could be for some players. Um, it's just that forward area. Richarlison obviously scored in midweek. You hope that then gives him the boost he needs. That's just a slight worry. That's the only thing I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a light number to wear when you can't see the number on the back of that grotty third <laughs> kit, um, which was the case on uh, uh, Tuesday night at Fulham. Um, yeah, listen, I've been impressed with Ange Postacoglu and the way he's approached his team, but sometimes it's really impressive when a manager sort of blocks out all the noise, doesn't listen to anything, just you know, ploughs their own furrow and, and steers the team in the direction that he expects them uh, to go. But I do think sometimes there are little touch points and you need to be in touch with certain things. And supporters of Tottenham Hotspur, they just want a little bit of success. Yes, they want they want to watch nice attacking football, but that wears off very quickly if all routes to silverware are closed by the time you get to January. And the fact that at the first hurdle, they changed nine players and didn't look like winning the game. Let's be honest, 
we can say it was only on penalties and they didn't technically lose the game because it was a draw, but they went out because he made nine changes. They were well beaten by Fulham. Fulham were the better team. Fulham should have won that game in 90 minutes. It should have been three or four one. It was only because they didn't finish off their own chances that Tottenham ended up taking them uh, to penalties. And I do think that that sort of, that, that, that sort of does check the momentum just a little bit. And a lot of the Spurs fans weren't happy about it, especially those that had travelled uh, on Tuesday night, Crook. He's put unnecessary pressure on himself. It was all going swimmingly. Robbie Williams is singing about him. Brilliant line from you about Tottenham coming undone at the end of that penalty shootout. But I think it does undermine the, their start to the season because these Spurs fans are just desperate to win silverware. Uh, and let's be honest, Graham Roberts tweeting after the game saying, well, we, we can only compete for two trophies now. You're not going to compete for the Premier League, mate. You're going to compete for one trophy. That's going to be the FA Cup, um, which is more difficult to win than the Carabao Cup. So I think this is a massive missed opportunity. And I don't understand it because Tottenham don't have to worry about European football. Just name your best side, get the job done, keep the winning momentum, keep the good feeling going and take your chance in the next round. I think he's made a massive error, Ostercoglu. And if they lose at Burnley, it's going to come back and haunt him. Manchester City against Fulham. Um, why would Cole Palmer switch working under Pep Guardiola and playing for the treble winners and go to Chelsea? Well, Dean, Phil Foden was benched again in midweek against Sheffield United. He's probably thinking to himself, I'll never, ever get a game if I stay there, um, even with Kevin De Bruyne in injured. Um, will Phil Foden actually feature here from the start? Will Nunez scupper his minutes even more? I mean, I, I, I can't work out. Phil Foden, he's great. Why is he not playing? I mean, I ha it has to be this slight illness that he had. It had to be because he was so good. And he started the season so well. And he was unbelievable, by the way, when he came on just for his cameo against Sheffield United. That's the reason they they uh, they won that game. He came on and was brilliant. You know, he set up Alvarez for a chance that he blazed over. Then he was involved before he then got the touch for Rodri to score. Honestly, he looks so good. And I think he will get a run of games. But... We ne you can never you can never know really what goes on behind the scenes. We don't really know what Cole Palmer's like day to day, his attitude, his 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 work ethic. We we don't know any of that. We we don't know if Pep actually thinks he's a really good player, but actually doesn't see a a genuine future with with that. And that can that can be the only reason why you would let a player of that clear talent go but that's why Manchester City and Pep Guardiola are so good because they can let these sort of talents go knowing they can replace them knowing they've got the financial clout to go and get almost any player they they want Manchester City are that club at the moment where so many players once you get that call want to be part of an absolute winning juggernaut so they're in such a great position but I think Phil Foden will be the player of the season in the Premier League this year, without a shadow of a doubt for me. Um, well, it's interesting that you, you mentioned that because they haven't got endless pots of cash, have they? And that's one of the reasons why um, Matthias Nunes has only cost 47.6 million pounds. That's not true. They have got endless pots of cash. They just can't spend it. Uh, Crook, just explain to me this deal because we were sitting looking at that fee come through. And um, we, we know that Wolves rejected a bid of 47 million quid over the weekend. I mean, 
what happened? Was it just the point six that, that tipped it over the edge? I mean, this this is this is not the deal that we were expecting to see because ultimately we were expecting a six at the front of it, right? So, is there some sort of FFP fudge that's going on between these two clubs here? Well, it actually turned out to be quite a bit more than forty-seven million. That was the verbal agreement. Talks continued on Wednesday night. Fifty-three million—a club record for Wolves—was uh, the final amount they settled on. Uh, there's a, no add-ons in that deal, apart from a ten percent sell-on fee of any profit the City make on Nunes and Tommy Doyle uh, coming in the opposite direction. A season-long loan with a five million pound buy option uh, at the end of that loan period, and City have a fifty percent sell-on fee. I think. Probably Doyle at £5 million is a little bit under market value. OK, let's move on to Sunday, starting with a mammoth game at the Emirates. I've been banned from going to this game. I was desperate too, but there's so much else happening on Sunday that they want me in the studio. But I wanted to sit next to Crook and see him squirm uh, throughout the course of the afternoon because he's slightly worried about this. Dean, is he right to be? I think he is because of the injury troubles that they've that they've picked up um, in the last few games. <clears throat> um, I think Varane being out actually is more of a worry than than Luke Shaw. I think that centre back pairing is is has been crucial at times um, for Manchester United to have improved at least defensively, especially in transition. Varane's the one with that electric pace. Um, so, yeah, I would be worried if I was a Manchester United fan going into this game because Arsenal will, again, be disappointed with the Fulham result. Um, and even going forward, other than Bruno Fernandes, they've looked a little bit blunt, I would have to say. Bruno's been fantastic, he has. But the others, and is Hoyland going to start? Is he ready to start in a game of this magnitude? Lots of questions, I think, for Manchester United fans. We'll come back to um, Arsenal in just a second, but to discuss this theory for me, Alex Crook, Mourinho wins the Europa League, finishes second, gets himself into a good position with the fans, falls apart. Solskjaer finishes second, gets the fans back on side, uh, starts giving everybody chocolate and everyone's happy. They have a decent run in the Champions League. He gets himself into a good position with the supporters once again, fell apart. Eric Ten Hag wins a trophy for the first time in quite some while, qualified for the Champions League. He's himself currently in a great position with the fans. He's got you calling him a little ball genius, even though he's five foot eleven, not little at all. Um, however, is it going to fall apart? Well, I'm just loading up the Premier League table. Uh, are Manchester United in the relegation places? No, no, no Crook, they... I don't know if you know this, but you know when 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 the table starts. You don't win anything or qualify for anything after three games. It's after 38. So you've still got 35 games to play. And bearing in mind, the teams that Manchester United have beaten so far, I think are Nottingham Forest at home when they weren't particularly good and Wolverhampton Wanderers when they deserve to lose. I suppose you could say six points in a situation where you haven't played particularly well against two teams that might be fighting against relegation this year is a good couple of results. But it's not exactly setting the world alight, seeing as you lost to Tottenham. And you did come on this podcast prior to the start of that game and went, yeah, but lads, it's just Tottenham. I don't think I did. I think you did. <laughs> Again, I think you did. You put words in my mouth. No, but I mean, listen, you were tipping Brighton for top four after they beat Luton and Wolves. United are on the same points as Brighton. Yes, it, it's been uncomfortable. Um, I think the absence of Hoyland has been a problem because Marciel is, you know, shot to pieces, isn't he? Let's be honest. I mean, he shouldn't be anywhere near 
uh, starting eleven for Manchester United. But it, it will improve. And they showed good character last week. 2-0 down after five minutes. Pressure was already on Ten Hag. They found a way to win. Again, it wasn't convincing. Do I think they'll win this weekend? No. You'd have to be mad to make a case for United to, to win in North London, given their dreadful away record against big six sides. But they played well in this fixture last season, but unlucky to lose late on. So I'm not as pessimistic about Manchester United as you are. Once, once the new players bed in, once players come back from injury, once the window is closed, I think they'll be fine. I don't think I'm pessimistic. I, I'm asking the question. Um, I've watched all of the games and um, yeah, I'm reflecting on that. Listen, you know that I tipped them on this podcast at the beginning of the season to challenge for the title this year. I was anticipating that with the acquisitions that they made and the freedom that Eric Ten Hag has been given by uh, the hierarchy to bring in the players that he wanted, I thought he was shaping up a team that he thought could challenge for the title. In fact, he told us in a press conference last year when we sat down with him at the end of the season that it's Manchester United, you have to challenge for the title. So we were expecting him to live up to his word and do just that. Uh, but it looks at this moment in time a long way off, although they had a bad start last season and played particularly well. I think, Dean they might get something from this game. And the reason I think they might get something from this game is because when they are at their, their best, they're a great counter-attacking team. And they're going to have the ability to be able to do that this weekend away at the Emirates. Yes, they are. I think Ten Hag needs to get it right in terms of the selection and where players are playing. <clears throat> it's clear Marcus Rashford is better off the left and looks more comfortable. Albeit, I thought his body language was still not great. Um, against Nottingham Forest. I don't know what that reason is. Didn't look like he wanted that real desire to get in the box. Anthony still needs loads of coaching to make the right decisions. I think there's a a fantastic player there, a really fantastic player, but needs the guidance to be told. And he needs a centre-forward, by the way, to hit, you know, when to release, when to run. I think that, you know, they can cause any team... In, in world football, a lot of problems if they get it right. It just doesn't look right right now. Um, and I think that's why they will they will struggle. But Arsenal will definitely give them chances, that's for sure. Yeah, especially uh, if Rashford's uh, occupying that left-hand side and they're not bothering to play with a right-back. Um, should they probably abandon that this weekend, Arsenal? Yes. Yeah, but I hope they don't. <laughs> 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 I hope Rashford has a field day up against Thomas Partey I think I mean you're talking about overthinking it Arteta's overthinking it for me we mentioned it at the weekend Saliba and Gabriel are so important to their season um, when Saliba picked up that injury against Sporting in the Europa League they fell apart defensively so I don't know why you would break that up just to accommodate Kai Havertz who for me he's just not there it's just £65 million that Arsenal didn't need to spend. So, But, you know, trust the process, Mikel. Let's pick that team again and see how we get on. Um, do, you, do you think this, he's been scapegoated to Kai Havertz? Yes, I, I Which is say. rubbish. <laughs> I, no, he's not. He's, he's not. He's not. And, and I thought Kai Havertz was coming in as, a, as an Odegaard sort of replacement when they want to give Odegaard a, in that position. I just I, I'm with Crook in that why complicate you've just got Declan Rice in who would be perfect to play alongside Partey in midfield to give you that strength in front of your your centre backs. Um and then he's gone. And actually 
it's then inadvertent. It's putting pressure on players like Ramsdale, who's coming under huge pressure because all of a sudden they're, you know, they're vulnerable when the ball's turned over. And, you know, the, the, the couple of goals that they've conceded at home, you know, early in, he seems to be getting quite a lot of stick for for these for these goals that are being conceded when you've all of a sudden opened yourself up because of a tactical switch when I just to me it seemed really obvious that Declan Rice would go in alongside Partey and that's the end of the, the, the discussion and Havertz would be a off the bench player when you need him uh, Liverpool against Aston Villa uh, kicks off at two o'clock on Sunday. Uh, bearing in mind their recent disciplinary problems, should Liverpool just start this game with ten men? <laughs> Possibly. I'm looking forward to this one. I think this could be one of the games of the weekend. I think Villa have recovered brilliantly um, from their shocking start against Newcastle. Really enjoy watching Diaby. It was my tip to be one of the signings of the summer, and I think Liverpool will take a lot of confidence by what they did. Uh, in adversity against Newcastle. Probably the flip side of what I was saying for Newcastle. I think that will give them the belief that they are in a better place this season to to put what happened last year behind them. Nunes scoring goals always helps. Maybe he'll start this weekend. I'll tell you who I think has been crucial so far, uh, Dean. Luis Diaz. I love this guy. Yeah, well, I think obviously Mane leaving left a, a, a big hole in that Liverpool attack and he was injured last season so couldn't fill it. Whereas... He's fit, he looks sharp um, and he's the player that I think Liverpool knew they, they'd bought and I, I, I'm, I'm with you, I think he's superb. Really likes Sabozlai, I think he's impressed me immensely in coming in and having that confidence, that stature of a, of a, of a Liverpool player but probably like quite a lot of the, the teams in the Premier League, defensively, you know, so many teams are say, taking so many chances when it comes to leaving themselves open when they when they lose the ball, obviously Van Dyke being suspended. I mean, this could be, you know, a very high score. And no Canate as well. No, Alison was a, really busy in the game against Newcastle. Yeah, I think he'd be busy again. You know, Aston Villa I think have looked great going forwards and, and have seemed to have settled at the back as well. Really tough game for Liverpool. 6-6 six, six then at um, Anfield, possibly, for that one. Um, Crystal Palace against Wolverhampton Wanderers. It's going to be a long season for uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Crystal Palace showed goal-scoring power the other day. They came back uh, from what looked like a, a terrible defeat and ended up scoring four goals in, in, in four minutes. Or no, three goals in four minutes, and then they scored five overall. Matessaro, I thought, was going off somewhere. Ended up coming back and scoring a, a hat-trick in the League Cup. Um, and Gary O'Neill's team, Wolverhampton Wanderers, actually scored quite a few goals against Blackpool uh, during uh, their uh, uh, Carabao Kit Cup midweek trip. Um, Jeremy is our producer, and uh, we've got into the sort of he habit this, this week of, uh, of, of getting him on when there's a controversial question that he wants us to ask. So sometimes what these producers do, Dean, is they put like, a really controversial question in the running order and expect me to ask it and make myself look like I'm a very horrible man. So instead, I'd like to shine the spotlight on Jeremy, who's evil, and he can ask this question to all three of us and we can have one answer each. Jeremy. Go ahead. Fabio Silva, who I've just had a bone to pick ever since he came to the Premier League and been reintegrated following a loan spell at PSV. Is he the worst striker in the Premier League? And I'll ask Dean as a former Premier League striker, if he isn't, who is? 
I thought he was going to say, I'm going to ask Dean as a former worst Premier League striker. That would have been even harsher. <laughs> <laughs> now, now. Um, I mean, he's having a right good go at trying to look like the worst. And what really frustrates me about him is his movement is actually really, really good. As in really sharp, clever movement, gets into position and it's like he's got an alter ego that takes over and it's like a fan playing and he just cannot finish. It's really, I find it really odd watching him play because I think there's so much good there, but the end part tends to be horrible. Um, For me, Martial's performance at the weekend is probably one of the worst I have ever seen from a centre-forward in the Premier League. That was rubbish. Okay. Um, I I, I must admit that that there is someone with a worse XG in the league than Fabio Silva, and that is Ali Alhamadi at AFC Wimbledon, who prior to Wednesday night's game against Chelsea had an extra personal XG of nearly six and he hadn't scored, including in missing a penalty, actually, as well, which was saved by Ben Foster. How can you have an XG of six and not score a goal? That is absolutely outstanding. Although Al Hamadi, actually, incredibly rapid. He's got something, that kid, and I think he'll move. Maybe not this window. In fact, not by the time you listen to this podcast, but actually maybe next. Um, but, um, <laughs> yeah, that is, that is impressive. The Fabio Silva hasn't got that level. Of, of XG. Um, right, okay, that's it from us. Crook, thank you very much uh, for your time. Uh, by the time we next see you, you'll be frazzled but relaxing on a beach with a pina colada because the transfer oh. window would have shut. Uh, Dino, Can't thank wait. you very much uh, for your time as well. Luton West Ham is live on TalkSport on Friday night. Saturday, Sheffield United against Everton, followed by Chelsea versus Nottingham Forest. Very much looking forward to all those weekend games. And on Sunday, it's a mammoth day of football and cricket and F1 and tennis and all of it will be followed on the Sunday session from 1.30. Join us for that. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.